This is Jack Donovan, author of The Way of Men, and you are listening to Start the World. All right, I'm here today with Greg Hamilton. Uh, Greg's a good friend of mine, and uh, we've known each other for a long time. Greg is a pig farmer, but uh, <laughs> you have done some other stuff in your life. So why don't you tell people a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, I started uh, my adult life in uh, Third Ranger Battalion and then uh, went to the Regimental Reconnaissance Detachment and then went into Special Forces. And simultaneously, I started a, well, not simultaneously, but at some point along that way, I started a business called Insights Training Center teaching shooting and self-defense. And I did that concurrently while being in the National Guard and the Reserves and Special Forces. And then uh, jumping way ahead when I came back from Iraq in 2012 is when I kind of went weird and started a farm, so. Uh, but yeah, that's the that's the quick and dirty of my background as Ranger Battalion and Special Forces and firearms instructor and tactics instructor for 30 years. All right. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So we, we Greg and I have been talking back and forth about uh, him, him coming on the podcast. And we wanted to talk a little bit about the way of men. And uh, one of the things that interests me, especially in, because uh, when I wrote the way of men, I was really just doing a philosophical problem. Uh, trying to figure out you know, what what men needed to do in a survival situation uh, over a lifetime. And then it, Greg mm -hmm. read the book years ago, and uh, you know, we've been talking about things. And it, it's really cool to see the way that the way of men is lined up with some of the background that other guys who have actually had to secure spaces um, to see some of that verified. Mm -hmm. um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about... Uh, some military situations and what you would actually do to secure a space. Cause that's what uh, the concept of the perimeter is in the way of men. It's about the, you know, you know, protecting a space mm -hmm. and uh, all the things that you need from other men when you start to do that. So sure. if, if you were going to set up a new camp or something like that, what, what would you do? Well, I mean, I guess that there's, a few different ways to go about it. So are you going to be covert, overt? You know, obviously you're interested in the idea we're going to defend the space. So versus uh, only hold it for a short period of time. So I guess it starts with like a what we would call a patrol base, which is something you're only going to stay in for a little while. We can talk about that or mm -hmm. we can expand it to uh, the concept of a base camp, someplace you're staying for a long time uh, or even a beachhead. Uh, Nowadays, we don't tend to do beachheads on the beach. We do airfield seizures where we take an airfield and build a beachhead inside of a place. Um, but all those, I guess, would be applicable a little bit. So um, I guess you need to know what piece of property you're going to take and why. So there's got to be some value there uh, to the spot that you're going to pick. Of course, when you're when you're weak, if you're just a small patrol and you don't actually want to get in a fight, you're picking lousy territory because you don't want anyone else to come into the territory. Does that make sense? Right. So if you're not very strong, you're not going to go take the best territory. You're going to take whatever you can get, preferably something hidden from everybody. Um, and if you're going to be more overt and stronger about it, you want to take really good territory, of course, because in the end, you want to be situated on a good piece of land. So. Right. That'd be start is figuring out what territory you want and why you want it and what you plan on doing there. Um, and then what we would do is we would do, um, 
in special forces, we would do an area study. So we'd really delve into everything about the place, uh, the geography, the weather, the people, the culture, uh, and do what we call an area study uh, so that we completely understand the space we're going into. So we can obviously, when we get there, we can navigate it uh, more correctly, make all the right decisions. Uh, on a more primitive level, if we're just going in and you know bashing our way in the front door kind of thing, uh, once again, we just want to know, I guess, uh, what else we want to do. And so when we take an airfield, we need to take the right size airfield. We need to know it's close enough to the next things we want to do, stuff like that. So first is all reconnaissance. It's all the, you know, why do we want to go here? Um, what purpose is it going to serve all that kind of stuff so first we would do reconnaissance and that might include sending some people out there covertly mm -hmm. uh, to look around and see if it's going to fit our needs and to get an idea of once we do decide to occupy it how we're going to occupy it so i, I don't know if this is anywhere is this the direction you want to go with this question well yeah i mean it's all interesting i think to a lot of people uh, listening all that all that's interesting I mean, I'm actually thinking, what do we, what are the things that you need to do? Like some of the first steps mm -hmm. once you've taken over to space to secure. Okay, sure. Okay. So then, so let's do, we'll use the concept of a patrol base first, probably. Uh, step one is always security. So when you're going to go into a place, the very first thing you need to do is uh, be ready to fight. And that never goes away. That is always your number one priority is to be able to repel anyone that wants to kick you out of that spot. So uh, step one is always security. So we're going to go in and we're going to lay in basic security, meaning we're going to put uh, our best weapons in the spots where they can do the most damage. Everybody's going to know where their fighting position is, all that kind of stuff. And then the leaders uh, will go around and check everybody's individual positions and see that they picked good positions, move them if they need to. And that'll keep going up the chain where, uh, you know, a lower level leader will check his guys, but then the next level leader, he's tying different sets of guys together. So he may come over and go, yeah, that's, you know, that's all great, but it doesn't fit the rest of the plan. So he'll move people around. And eventually we now have a plan of how we're going to defend this place. And we have all our weapons in the right spots. So that's absolutely number one. Uh, then we want to punch out some security patrols. So we don't just want to sit there and wait uh, to see what happens. We want to be active about this. So we'll take very small security patrols and we'll start pushing them out and start clearing area around us so that we can't be surprised. And also to find out any dangerous spots. So if there's any avenues of approach that we haven't already identified, we want to find those because we might need to put permanent security on those or some kind of early warning or something there. So yeah, security would always be first. Uh, you got to be ready to fight and you got to be capable of fighting. So is that what you're uh, thinking? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of, you know, what we've always come back to uh, when, I, when I talk about the way of men and, and so forth. Uh, men always had to be engaged and have that possibility, like you said, that, that they're going to have to fight. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's always been the role is to, to, to create that perimeter. And I, I like what you were saying about uh, going out into the space and uh, finding unknowns and making mm -hmm. them known. Because uh, yep. that's actually a concept I'm writing about a little bit right now in terms of uh, that's what men really do. They're imposing order on their environment by making it known. Yep. You know, because the unknown is chaos. 
And, and right. once, you, once you've identified things, then it feels safe to a certain extent. You know, you, you mm -hmm. have some idea what's going on because, you know, when you first get to that space, right, you are in a, in a situation where you, you don't know all the terrain, you don't know everything that's happening. And you, no, you're blind. Yeah, exactly. And, and so you need to like make everything known. And I think that's, mm -hmm. that's something that I think really is really important for men uh, generally is to create this sense of order around us. And I, I think it's part of our psychology that comes back to that situation because you would have had to do the same thing um, whether you're, you're talking about modern warfare or you're talking about any space. Yeah, I mean, back when humans or even pre-humans just had sharpened sticks, I don't, the successful ones had to be doing this the same. There's exactly nothing's changed except the weapon systems. You're gonna have a group, the group of guys isn't all just gonna go, oh, hey, let's all fall asleep. That's not how we do it, right? We we put out security and uh, the, the, the the groups of men that didn't put out security died. Right, right. <laughs> so exactly. Right. There, there are so, bears, there are all kinds of, you know, other and, men. And, all and kinds there's of other things. humans that want to kill you and take your stuff and exactly. uh, take, take your women or whatever it is that they want to take. And so, um, yeah, security has always been number one. There's always got to be a plan. Uh, I mean, you see it with, I mean, wolves do it, you know. Yeah. Uh, when, when they go hunting, they leave security behind. Uh, to protect the camp and protect the babies and all that stuff. And they don't leave their weaklings behind to do security either. It's really interesting. They pick like mid-level, mid-level wolves that are like capable, right? Uh, nice. Okay. And they make them, they make them do the security. Yeah. They don't want to, they argue about it, right? Because they, they, they want to go on the hunting party, right? But they're right. like, no, you're, you're actually squared away. You're a subunit leader. You're competent. You got to do this task, you know? Right, so, right. Um, and, uh, humans are not that much different than that, obviously. So yeah, we want to send out security patrols and we want to learn more. And we would do that with an airfield seizure, the same thing. We'd, we'd uh, you know, if we took a place very aggressively, um, the moment we establish immediate security, we want to punch people out uh, all over the place looking because we'd much rather run into a problem 400 meters, a thousand meters, you know, a couple miles away from us than run into it at us, right? Because that gives us all the time to get ready for it. Exactly. Okay. So, so yeah, security, uh, security is always number one, being ready to fight. Um, and then we, um, security is a constant process. So we're, we're never done with that. You know, the, the earth, you know, ramparts, turn into the wood walls and the wood walls turn into the stone walls like we don't those castles got built on top of castles built on top of castles right they didn't abandon that spot and pick a new spot they just kept making it better every generation right absolutely continuous improvement yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah i think that that's really that's really important for people to think about because I, I don't think that they really you know modern society right is, is really castles upon castles upon castles upon castles you know absolutely and, yeah thousands yeah, of years of, of security figuring things out and yeah like improving weapons improving uh, ways to be secure and and obviously with things that are going on in the world right now there's different there now there's biological security sure know, things that have, but it's all about creating security and creating a, mm -hmm. a kind of a sense of a, and we a call it space. um improving your position so okay when you have nothing else to do, you improve your position. And uh, Americans aren't really very good at it. It's really funny to watch 
Europeans improve their position. I think if you watch German, like Germans from World War II or Russians, I mean, next thing you know, you know, their bunker has furniture, you know, and they've planted <laughs> a garden and they've like, <laughs> they are, you know, they really act like they're staying there, you know, and uh, we tend not to do that. You know, the American soldiers, uh, especially modern, we tend to get pretty lazy and we just lay in the dirt and, you know, wait to move to the new spot. We don't really, we don't improve our position enough is my, my point. Uh, and, uh, but that's a, a few reasons for that cultural and uh, leadership failure, right? We really should continue to improve our position, continue to make it better. And uh, the most important thing to make it better is to, of course, once again, going back to security, make it better to fight from. But at some point we're going to improve it so that we can just live better, obviously. And we've done that. Like we've, we've become so strong that we can have flush toilets and electricity, right? Mm -hmm. Those don't, right. those don't make us better at fighting, but they sure make living nicer. So, Absolutely. Uh, constant improvement of position and you know we I guess we all kind of do that that's why people work on their houses and build new fences and all these things they're improving their position basically they just don't think of it from a security standpoint uh, we tend to think of it nowadays more of a just a you know comfort standpoint yeah well I mean but they, you know like uh, obviously I, I was thinking about when you know weren't sure how things were going to go here uh, mm -hmm. you know I'm like um, maybe I need to uh, fix those lights above the garage and uh, right, you know, right. that, that, that are supposed to flip on and, and they don't, you know, like yes. stuff like that, that, you know, improves the security of the, the situation. And maybe I'm, yeah, that, 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 my that's true, uh, especially with the, with the plague, people are a little bit more uh, worried about security and, you know, it's something we should always concern ourselves with, but we get lackadaisical because nothing happens. Nobody attacks us, you know, and, uh, generally generally we've all picked safe enough places to live that we don't have to think about it very much but for sure i've uh, you know i've at least increased my i've checked all my weapons and all that kind of stuff and i've you know picked up a bit and made my place more secure uh and i'll continue to do that yeah yeah uh do you think that uh you know after the you know we're all released again into the world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you, th do you think there's going to be some kind of boom in, in people taking interest in that again? Or do you think that they'll be like, oh, okay, we're safe again and they'll go back to normal? I don't know. You know, um, that, that's really hard to say. You know, th the, for, as a trainer doing self-defense training, it, it's always a weird cycle because people buy guns uh, at a different cycle than they train on guns, right? So right. right now it's the gun buying. So I would assume that the next cycle would be training, right? But they, they only have so much income. Uh, and so they tend to, they can only spend it one place at a time. And so right now you see a ton of people buying guns. Not a lot of prior gun owners aren't buying more guns so much as new gun owners. So that's always good. Uh, so yeah, there'll probably be some interest in it. Um, I don't see people spending their discretionary money on cruise lines. So they, they, <laughs> they've got to, they're going to do something with it. So, yeah, I yeah. think uh, probably, I think people are going to be more concerned, especially, you know, we don't know how far this is going to go. So, um, you know, we know that people are, you know, being released from jails like crazy and, you know, crime in Seattle, uh, downtown Seattle burglaries were up. 87% in two weeks or something like that, you know, which is not surprising. 
And so, yeah, maybe people will wake up that they're responsible for themselves, that, uh, you know, the police uh, investigate crimes. They don't really stop crimes. And so maybe, maybe people will become more aware of that. Yeah, I think that's really important. You know, police aren't there to protect you. They're, they're there to clean up the mess after it happens. Mm -hmm. and, and to also obviously be a threat. Yeah. But there's, there's punishment available <laughs> at some point. Right. Yeah, we'd like, I mean, it'd be great if they uh, preemptively stopped things by their presence. You know, we used to, I try to talk about in class, one of the things that we used to call police officers was peace officers. And the idea is they promote peace through their presence. But honestly, we're all so spread out that there's just not enough cops around, right? And they're, they're to, yeah. to really impose themselves upon the criminals and make the criminal know they're being watched, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I almost think that that's, uh, in Sometimes you wonder if, if those CSI programs and the uh, uh, it, the what is the one that I always watch late at night the the uh, forensic files and mm -hmm. other things that you know there, there's a there's a perception that no matter what you do eventually it might be thirty years down the road but eventually they're going to get you which I don't yeah. know if that actually yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, I don't think anybody a lot of people cares have that <laughs> I don't know. nobody cares that much unless it's a murder. No, just nobody cares, you know, right. all those burglaries and most of the rapes and all that kind of stuff. If the guy doesn't get caught right away, nobody's ever going to catch him. So unfortunately. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of people, I think, doing some foolish, uh, hard signaling too, uh, right now about if you're going to raid your neighbors, maybe don't no. put it on Instagram. <laughs> yeah I, there's a lot know, of like, we're, really we're ready to raid her and i'm like maybe you should, right. if, you, if that's a possibility you should probably keep it quiet <laughs> yeah i i really try to stay away from that i i think it's you know i i understand that it can be a funny joke i guess sure. but uh but oh, i kind of would like to consider myself to be a good guy and i don't plan on you know, raping and pillaging uh, innocent people. <laughs> so, you know, so, at least not on day one. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm not going to open with that. Probably. So, um, you know, I have a I have a very small neighborhood. I think I, we have 29 houses in a neighborhood. It's a uh, one way in, and actually, geographically, uh, we're really secure here. We actually have cliffs around our neighborhood, and yeah. and, and draws and all this stuff. And and I've talked to a few of my neighbors. We have some very old people in the neighborhood and so we talked with them about being safe and I've talked with my near neighbors about whether they have food and whether they have a gun and all that kind of stuff and so I don't want to go too far with them because I don't want to scare the crap out of them um, right I figure I let if the situation escalates as the situation escalates if crime really does go crazy all that kind of stuff we can always revisit and have more talks but they already are security minded I can already tell that the good six or eight closest houses to me are already thinking about being more aware being more secure all that kind of stuff yeah so you're pretty far out there uh as am i you know i, mm -hmm. I think that uh I, that's what i've been saying if if, if the dows if there's problems <laughs> in the dows i feel like the rest of the world's on fire yeah <laughs> you know? and and you know we live in the Pacific northwest it's just not like we have the millions of people that could go savage and start burning their way across the wasteland you know we're just not in detroit or philly or baltimore you know so i just don't see it happening up here <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that was one of the things like when i was living in la i always thought mm -hmm. uh yeah that place is the the haves and the have-nots are so close together 
Yep. You have Beverly Hills, Compton, and and yep. you know, like all the some really bad neighborhoods next to like extraordinary wealth. Like not yep. just not just a rich house, like mm-hmm. millions and millions and millions of dollars. And uh, you know, that's where I, you know that place could I be. actually yeah. almost drove I almost drove into LA during the uh Rodney King riots. Oh really? <laughs> yes. I stopped in the grapevine. I was tired. I didn't want to drive anymore. I stopped and walked in my uh got a motel i walk in i turn the tv on i go take a shower i come out and i'm like what the hell's going on in beirut you know and i stop and i <laughs> right because there's there's all this fire and gunplay and i start watching it and i'm like holy shit that's la <laughs> and i'm like you know 45 minutes away so i drove through it the next morning uh, wow. there was no nothing going i was on the freeway nothing but smoke uh, and no violence of course so, right, right, right. and I was on my way to teach shooting in San Diego and then go to a gun class in Arizona. And so I had my rifles and thousands of rounds of ammo in my car. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> all my friends were watching the news, waiting to see my vehicle on the news. <laughs> totally. Now, one of the things that I think, you know, we talked a little bit before we started recording, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think is really important and something that you do really do well because uh, I've, I've been up to your place and, and uh, uh, some of the parties that you've had at your house, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, one thing that I think you do really well that I think people ask me a lot about is, you know, how do I build a network? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a really, I've, I'm really hoping that people come out of this, thinking, hey, I need a better local network. I can't just be in my house and not know anyone around me and not have any, all my friends are like 7,000 miles away. Right, and, yeah. And so forth. How, how do you go about building networks? One of the, one of the concepts you uh, talked to me about years ago that I always thought mm-hmm. was really good was uh, you always said that you had overlapping circles. Mm-hmm. And so okay, talk a little bit about your strategy as far as like, you know, groups of people. Okay. Yeah. So I think in the talks we've had over the years, uh, and I, and seeing other people talk about the same subject a lot, people seem really, they really want to start all their own things. And I think that's the worst idea. <laughs> uh, cause honestly, I mean, if you already, own, if you, if you have like three to five friends, uh, which is what, the most most people have you know that are that are quality friends uh you've just told yourself what your organization and leadership ability is three to five friends probably uh and 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 that's the start point that's the start point of military leadership you know if you're a fire team leader you're gonna have three guys under you know and that's that's where you learn and that's where you start but i think a lot of people are just convinced they need to you know and obviously you you said it in your book start a gang but really what you should do is join a gang. Right. My personal right. Opinion, yeah, yeah. Right. You, you should join something, <laughs> join something that's pre-existing and um and and learn and, and be willing to take a long road. Uh, because not everybody is going not everybody's gonna be a leader, and not everybody's gonna start out as a leader, not everybody's gonna be a natural leader. It might take even if someone wants to be a leader in their gang, that could take years. Uh, right. 
to evolve to. And because you have to evolve your skills, no different than the military. You know, you're going to spend a year or two as a team leader. You're going to spend a year or two as a squad leader, right? And then finally you're moving up to platoon sergeant. Uh, and, uh, you know, so you're talking eight years later is before you're the second in command of 30 to 40 guys. So, you know, it's, it's not a fact, and that's a full-time, and that's doing it as a full-time job, right? right? So uh, I think people have to be accepting the fact that they're not necessarily going to be in charge, uh, that none of it's going to be as cool as they think it's going to be. Um, and they should start with what they have. Um, that could be the Eagles club. That could be uh, a gun club, you know, pre a gun range, right? Uh, all these different clubs that are out there is what I really think people should be involved in. And uh, be that your gym, uh, your jujitsu gym or your lifting gym. And, you know, you've, you talked about that even in, um, at the end of way of manner than in your second book, talking about like guys starting gyms, just a powerlifting gym is a great place, uh, for guys to go to. And so I think joining pre-existing structures, um, and then, uh, you know, finding your place. So, uh, now I, I spent a lot of time running my own business and spent a lot of time, you know, as a kind of mid-level leader in the military. And so it's not unusual for me to end up in some sort of a leadership position in some of my hobbies. Uh, but in others, absolutely not. You know, in others, I stay, I stay as a private, you know. Um, and, um, and I like to introduce, like you said, the multiple circles is so... I don't just have one circle where, you know, if you don't shoot and climb and lift and this and that, you can't be my friend. Right. right. Like I can, you know, I can have a climbing friend that doesn't shoot and a shooting friend that doesn't lift. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't, I try not to overjudge people, you know, I try to take them for what they're worth. And that took a long time for me. Cause I, you know, I started in Ranger Battalion and we're pretty rough on each other. It's pretty Spartan. And if somebody doesn't meet all the standards, they're, worthless practically and uh you know it takes a long time to get over and you got to realize there's there's a lot of good people out there that have failings uh like all of us and i should take them for what they're worth right and if they're a good motivated person um you know okay he's not in shape all right so i guess that's not i won't give i won't ever give him in a crisis the job that requires being in shape (laughs) you know Right, right but that doesn't mean he can't be a useful friend and a useful teammate so um that's the big thing for me is I had to kind of not really lower I wouldn't say lower my standards because that sounds that just sounds wrong I I really had to change them and make them realistic uh and um and be more open to you know if if people are good people they're good people if they want to be you know if they're solid and they help you out and they show up when uh it's crunch time you know that counts for more than their resume so uh so for me, that's how I changed. And, you know, so, yeah, you said, you know, you come up and I have a big barbecue or something, and have 30 or 40 people over. And uh, most, of, most of those 40 people have only met three or four people at that party because they're from all different circles. Right. Um, and I, I, I think that is important for people to do is to branch out and join those other circles. And that takes a lot of effort and that's not something we're used to. Um, I'm thinking about moving. And so one of the, the place I, uh, thing about moving to I, I really want to integrate myself into the community when I get there and so I've went up there already and I just walk up and start talking to people and get invited to the Grange Hall or get invited to the Eagles Club or whatever and then that person introduces me to other people and then it just keeps going and I think we need to really put ourselves out there that way. 
So interesting, interesting. Is that where you wanted to go with that, or you want to talk yeah. about any of those subjects? No, more? absolutely. I mean, that's that's. I think that that's definitely uh, something that people need to think about, and uh, it, it is hard. It is hard to to go out and do that. Like you're much better walking up to people and talking to them than I am. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I have to make myself do it. Yeah, yeah. I well, I mean, that's yeah. My, I pre-plan it in my head, and then I'm like, okay, damn it, do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Make myself. <laughs> well, I mean, Anyhow, let's that, let's talk about that a little bit. Like, uh, how, how do you, you know, like, uh, what are your strategies for for? Because you, know, you said you've done some of that in the military, like walking up to talk, people and talking to them in, in a certain. Yeah, way. you know. Uh, so yeah, I ended up uh, my last ten years or so in the military doing human intelligence type work and surveillance work and. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm originally from Seattle, and the Seattle's uh, original Seattle culture is Norwegian culture, and basically what that means is um, we really want to watch you for a couple of generations to see if you're a good family before we talk to you. <laughs> we, you know, we're, we're just not sure which way that family's going to go for a while. <laughs> right. give, them, give them a long arm, and we wait. And uh, I actually have a funny, I had a guy from New York move out here, and I was talking about this, and he goes, yeah, I actually was looking at a house to buy, and I walked next door. This is here in Seattle. Knocked on the door, guy answered the door, and he goes, hey, I'm thinking about buying the house next door, and I wanted to know if this is a good neighborhood. And he goes, oh, yeah, it's a good neighborhood. It, I mean, it's not like we're going to be inviting each other over for barbecues or anything. <laughs> this is the guy's opening statement, you know, is, you know, <laughs> is back off. Um, and so growing up, I, the reason I preface all this is growing up with that culture, uh, mm -hmm. I was not gregarious like that. I can be very gregarious with people I know, um, yeah. but I definitely am not, was never good at, uh, you know, opening a group of people I don't know, or even integrating into, even if they want me to be integrated, I was never good at integrating right? I was way too shy with people, way too standoffish with people, uh, right. more than, sh more standoffish than shy probably. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was in Iraq and I was working with an, uh, a special forces guy and, uh, we would walk through this headquarters building, this giant barn. When I say a giant barn, I mean like 500 people, a thousand people working in this giant building. And, uh, we would go to going to see someone. It would take us 45 minutes to get to the person we were going to see because he would stop and talk to every single person. And somehow he had talked to them before, even, even if he had only just talked to them once before, that would be what the conversation was about. Right. And it was just nonstop talking to people and it would drive me crazy because I realized, you know, I'm, I'm thinking we need to go do this thing. And then I finally realized, no, actually he is, he's actually doing our job, which is building tons of relationships with people. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, getting people to like us. And if people like us, they're more likely to do things for us, more likely to open doors for us. And, um, um, and uh, unfortunately he died. But uh, right about that time, I'm like, damn it, this is a skill I need to master. I need to just start doing this. Uh, and so I just started making myself walk up and talk to people. And um, yeah, uh, it, it's not necessarily easy. It wasn't easy for me. Um, so I definitely would kind of pre-plan it sometimes before I'd walk in a room, I'd be all like, you know, uh, not excited about the idea of talking to all these people. And I would just have to make myself stand up and put a smile on my face and do the Tony Robbins thing, which is, you know, the Tony Robbins, how to be a confident public speaker advice. You ever heard that one? No, but I should probably yeah. look into it. <laughs> okay. You got, yeah. Tony Robbins, uh, you know, who I'm talking about, right? The yeah. 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 Commercial guy. 
he says, you know, if a lot of people are afraid of speaking in public mm-hmm. and uh, he goes, it's really actually very, very easy to speak in public. What you want to do is you want to walk up in front of people like a confident public speaker would walk up in front of people. And then you want to look at them like a confident public speaker would look at them. And then you want to speak to them like a confident public speaker would speak to them. <laughs> and it actually works. So, I mean, it's, right. it's one of those fake it till you make it things that actually works uh, because there's no real risk. Just put a damn smile on your face, stand up straight. And we already, we know that the, the mind follows the body and the body follows the mind. So if I just put myself in the posture of this confident, happy, gregarious person, and then I just look people in the eye and smile and start talking to them, uh, they don't know that I'm faking it. Yeah, <laughs> right? Right. And in fact, my own body doesn't even know I'm faking it anymore. All right, because I've turned on my own emotions correctly and all those kind of things. So uh, a little bit of, you know, neuro-linguistic programming hacking, I guess, uh, for yourself is, you know, put on your happy face and walk up and talk to people. And, uh, and once again, it goes back to those realistic expectations and that judgmental stuff is, you know, this person may look very, very different than me, but I guarantee we have commonalities. So um, yeah. that's another thing I've really tried to focus on in life. I've always kind of focused on that which has helped me a lot, which is I don't look for differences. I look for commonalities. So I can have a conversation with just about anybody. Now they can't always have a conversation back with me because in their mind, they're thinking about politics or race or this or that, and that's blocking them. Right. right. But, uh, but I don't let it block me. Uh, if I want to be intra, you know, if I want to know someone either because I actually think I want to know them or because they are some gatekeeper, Right. And a lot of times that's just a gatekeeper. That's a person that you need to like you because they're going to allow you to do things. They're going to introduce you to people, things like that. Right. And so a lot of the relationships we're building, we're building uh, for secondary reasons. Right. So I want to be able to walk up and find those commonalities. Um, And, you know, we do that when when they're teaching us asset handling or, or recruitment. When you're doing human intelligence there, you know, you do a little bit of a study of a person, which I do that now. Mm -hmm. Um, if I need something from someone, I always try to background check them, right? Find out, are they married? Do they have kids? What are their hobbies? These various things like that, right? And so- <laughs> You assemble um, a dossier. <laughs> basically, you do a, tar- you do a target folder on them. Like if it's right. important to me for business or mm-hmm. socially or whatever it's gonna be, um, I wanna know the commonalities so I can start a good conversation. Uh, I will, I'll dress for success, right? If I'm, you know, if I'm going to uh, something, uh, you know, I, I went to a, um, last year, a big nonprofit farm thing. And it's, and it's almost all like mid thirties to mid fifties women that run this big farming nonprofit. Right. And so I've got to go in there and build rapport with these ladies. Right. right. Well, I need to, I need to look like a squared away farmer. I don't need to look like the the average pig farmer covered in pig poo, right? I need to look like a pig farmer, like they imagine the perfect pig farmer would look, right? (laughs) Right? Not how it actually is. The platonic form of a pig farmer. (laughs) Yes, yes. Exactly. You know, some perfect English countryside gentleman pig farmer uh, that isn't covered in pig poo. Uh, I need to access that from them right to access the the their fantasy of this is the perfect pig being raised the perfect way by the perfect person and and make them want to know me right i'm going in there to know them because i want something from it but what i really am trying to convince them to, 
to do is to is to think I'm so cool that they're cool by knowing me, right? right? right. And they're cool by helping me. Yeah. Right. And so that's, I mean, there's, you know, it's manipulation, but I'm not, I'm not hurting anybody with it. You know, everybody's getting what they want in the end. And uh, so um, that's what I do. You know, I, I think I, that's I, a little I, bit of a mindset thing too, because people, people think about that. Like you could say that in a way that sounds very transactional, mm -hmm. you know, and, and everything is transactional anyway. You know, we all, we're friends with people who we get some value from yep. in some way. Uh, yep. But uh, yeah, and there are people who would look at that as like using people or whatever, but uh, yeah. it, it, I guess it comes down to intent too, you know, I mean. It, Absolutely. It, you have benevolent intent or, or is it, you know, or it's not like you're trying to like take their money, you know? Like, no, I'm not, I'm not stealing. I'm giving, I'm, yeah. I'm giving what I believe to be a great product back to them. I, I hope that, I hope in the end it's uh, an equal transaction where both people are getting huge value. Uh, and, you know, we, you might've been in the unarmed self, usually in the unarmed self-defense class during the body language lecture, I talk about that all communication is manipulation, Yeah, which is a NLP saying that is, you know, it, it's made to be con a controversial saying, because if you say all communication is manipulation, most people, of course, put uh, some negative connotation on the word manipulation. Sure. But if you're in a class and you're paying the instructor money to change the way you think about something, then you, in fact, are paying him to manipulate you. And so manipulation has to do with the intent of the manipulator and the manipulatee, right? And, and yeah. as long as they're both happy with it, then, then it's not a bad thing. So for me, it's, it's neutral. Uh, unless I'm doing something nefarious, which I hope I wouldn't, I wouldn't do. I mean, I, in a military intelligence situation, I'd be somewhat nefarious. We recruit people that, you know, in, a, in not necessarily nice ways. Uh, but that's a very different situation. In this situation, I'm, I, I want long-term relationships. I don't want this person to feel used. Uh, that's not going to do me any good a year from now, 10 years from now, et cetera, right? That would ruin your reputation to do something like that. So, uh, but, but I definitely engineer it. Um, I take some time and I think about it. I have little fantasy conversations. How would we go? Little, all my different openers. And uh, um, I also started doing a thing where I just started complimenting people, like just compliment 10 people in a day on something just because I'm so lousy at it. Uh, That's so really important to, too. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Go to the grocery store and, and just, you know, walk by somebody and be like, cool jacket. That's it. Like, don't stop moving. Like, don't have a conversation. Like, especially if you're shy, right? You know, yeah. just tell them something is cool or something is awesome. Tell them their car is cool. Tell them their clothes are cool. You know, tell them awesome hairstyle or whatever and just walk on and uh, make that natural uh, before you even try to move to the next step, right? It's just like homework assignments, basically. Yeah, that's actually really good. I've been trying to do that even online. Cause you can do that online oh, yeah? as well. I mean, well, cause I mean, comments, that's what comments are, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, everybody wants to go on online and make a bitchy comment, but uh, about stuff, but really um, it's really easy to be like, Hey, that was good. You yeah. Know, that, 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 you did something good there. I like that. You know, yep. again, find the commonalities of the things that you like. We, I may not like everything that you're doing, sure. but you know, like, yeah, a lot of people, I mean, I, and it's what you're interested in too, I guess is part of it too. I mean, I'm interested in visuals. So I comment great photo a lot of time because if it's mm -hmm. actually a good photo, I'm like, that's, right. that's good. I like that. And mm -hmm. it's genuine because I don't have to make up a fake compliment. 
because I'm like, I really sure. like it. And so I think- No, I don't, yeah, I don't do any fake compliments. I, you know, it is, it is a real compliment. Uh, you know, yeah. I, just, I just actually say it instead of not saying it. And it's got to the point now and after doing it for like 10 years that in fact, you're talking about online comments is, uh, you know, everyone wants to criticize everything, you know? So, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll publish some video of some kid band, you know, and then everybody wants to talk about the, oh, well, you know, somebody should really professionally mix that. And, you know, oh, somebody needs to turn up the, you know, whatever. And I'm like, geez, are you, give them a break. <laughs> Can't you just say something awesome, you know, and tell them they did a great job and like help them move forward a step, you know, they don't yeah. need criticism. Most people don't need criticism, right? Yeah, well, I, I mean, we, we need criticism, but like it's criticism that has value. Well, I mean, like I, I would ask you like, hey, how am I coming across? Because I value right. your opinion, but I don't sure. value everyone on the internet's opinion because no. no. i don't and know them they might unsolicited sell. unsolicited <laughs> criticism yeah unsolicited criticism is generally worth what you paid for it right uh, yeah. or less you know <laughs> so it's like yeah anybody can criticize but like i didn't ask for it for one and uh, right. uh and i don't know like you said i don't know who the hell you are like why would i listen so you know <laughs> you want probably want to establish your bona fides before you criticize what i'm doing so yeah 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 it's no, I think uh, I think that actually you know, it almost sounds cheesy, but it, it's uh, I think you're creating a positive culture around you by doing that. Too. Absolutely. No, uh, I, I I was a very once again I starting in Ranger Battalion. Uh, it's a very negative place. It used to be. It's a very different culture nowadays. But back when I was there, like you couldn't screw up. Like if you failed at all, you might as well just pack your bags and leave. And you know this is a daily thing. Like just everything is a competition and not like you have to be great at all times. If you're a low level guy, you have to be like, you're really competing with your level of guys. But as you go up in rank, it just gets more difficult. Right. And uh, guys truly like, you know, would screw something up so bad that by the time everybody got back to the barracks, their stuff was packed and they were gone. It was very harsh, negative culture. Um, and uh, it took me years to get over that. And I don't want to live that way right? Like I was just, just a flaming asshole <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, you're just a jerk. You're, you know, your life isn't any fun. You're no fun. Nobody wants to really be around you. Um, uh, and, uh, I didn't want to be that way. So I decided to focus on the positive and, uh, compliment myself. And that, that goes back to that. Is it, uh, Deborah Tanner, don't shoot the dog, the click training lady. Who's the, yeah, click, you, the, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned that before. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, all about that positive reinforcement stuff. And, uh, and it really does work to congratulate yourself. I do it in shooting. I do it. I do it in all sports now and I'm way better at learning athletics with positive reinforcement loops uh, than not. And it's not really cheesy. It actually works. We're not, we're not just telling ourselves we're awesome. We're congratulating ourselves when we appropriately succeed. Right, and when we and when we see someone else appropriately succeeding, we should congratulate them, right? And I don't, I don't have to withhold my congratulations until somebody wins an Olympic gold medal, right? right. If if they're a twelve year old and they're they're doing awesome for a twelve year old, I should tell them they're doing awesome for a twelve year old, right? If you're brand new at some activity, uh, I should be congratulating you for being really good for being brand new at an activity. And I, I think we're, we just hold each other to these in ourselves to these really unrealistic standards and it creates a negative loop. And then we're just unhappy people. And 
So to be positive, uh, we need to congratulate ourselves. But also for me, it's not just about uh, being a happy person. Um, I'm more successful when I do positive reinforcement than when I do negative reinforcement. I'm not just happier. I'm, I'm better at everything and I'm better at everything quicker, much quicker, much quicker. Like it doesn't take 25% the time to get good at something uh, in my experience when you're being positive versus negative. Yeah. 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 No, I could see that. Well, there's, there's a phenomenon. I think when, when guys are learning something that they're like, you know, like, sorry, 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 sorry ah, ah, where they're beating right. themselves up the entire time. And, yep. uh, and you know, that's just how it's going to be. It took me a while with martial arts to, to get out of that mindset a little bit. You know, like, Oh, I'm just going to suck at this for a while and that'll be fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll get, yeah. I'll get, I'll slowly get better. Yeah. I, we have to be goal oriented. And, you know, uh, if you're goal oriented, you're going to have some negativity because you're going to fail. But sure. uh, I, I try to balance that goal orientation with the, with the process orientation, right? Like give into the process to some degree. Um, not so much. I give up on having goals, but right. if you don't enjoy the process too, um, it's going to be a long time before you have any fun. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a balance, I think with that kind of stuff, because mm -hmm. people get, people get wrapped up in the other side of the, the enjoy the process thing. And, and yeah, I, I, yeah, they lose sight of the goal part. Absolutely. And then you're just a hippie who never gets anything. Done. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you know, yeah, I, I, there's some balance there. Most definitely. Um, so yeah, I, I had to teach myself to, uh, to meet people really and um, teach myself to be good at it. At least I, I, you know, I was in a communication class years ago and the lady was talking about that, you know, obviously if you've always been understood and you've always gotten what you wanted, you don't need to learn to communicate. And, uh, but obviously we, most of us, even good communicators can look back at their history and go, I've had a lot of failings. And sure. if you've had a lot of failings, then you want to kind of take conscious control of your communication and say, well, let's focus on what doesn't work and what does work and let's stop doing what doesn't work and let's do more what does work. And, and that takes some conscious control. So like I said, I actually kind of do target folders. I, I, I recon people and I figure out who's who and who I need to talk to. And, and I always try to get an introduction from somebody I already know. Right. I never, I try never to cold call people. I'm still kind of lousy at the cold call. I can do it when I have to, but it's much better if, if I even get an electronic introduction, right. Mm -hmm. You know, we all know that like getting that introduction helps a ton. Uh, so I definitely strategize my communication more and because of it, I think I'm more successful. I build rapport with people a lot faster. Yeah. And you know, if you mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, everybody always wants to start a group and be the leader. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, there's definitely a phenomenon with that, uh, people play Dungeons and Dragons with it a little bit, you know, like, mm -hmm. Oh, we're going to start a group and this is what it's going to be. Like they have their, their whole, uh, what is it? The, you know, the whole structure of the group and, and everything mapped out in their mind, how it's going to work. And what this really is, uh, is a lot more about building relationships mm -hmm. rather than like, okay, well, who's going to be the, the, the second in command, third command, right. da, 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 da. what are our you know, primary objectives and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's more about the you know, knowing people. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, people want to start these basically some kind of paramilitary organization, whether they, oh, totally. whether it's built around guns or not, it doesn't right. have to be about guns, but it's, they're trying to create this paramilitary structure. And, um, you know, without an, without an objective, without some kind of mission statement, uh, that is really important. I don't, I just don't see how you're going to really accomplish that unless we're actually going to get on a ship and sail across the ocean to some land that we've never been to before. Like what compels us to put ourselves in that structure. Um, and, uh, and we're not going to be in it 24 seven. This isn't right. like a logging camp or a fur trading camp or something out you know, we're in normal life around normal people all the time and going back to our own homes and all these kind of things. And so I just, I don't, I don't see that as being a realistic goal to, you know, especially voluntary, not paying people. Right. And we're going to yeah. have this big, this great big hierarchical structure and all these rules. Uh, it's just probably not very realistic. If it, if it's not being successfully done, there's probably a reason. Right. Right. So we should probably model, we should model the organizations that are realistically actually being done. And in fact, why model them when we could just join them? You know, the best thing you could do is take your three to five friends and join some local social or sporting organization and embed yourself in that organization and be liked by a lot of people and build a lot of rapport and build support and then get more of your friends to join and, uh, and not take it over, but make that your thing. You know, I think that would be better for most people, um, generally. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting because you know people used to start. If you think about the fraternities, there was mm -hmm. this whole boom in America of all these fraternities, and and you know I go through the town where I live, and almost all of the main buildings in town were built by a different men's fraternal organization. Yep. Yep. The odd, odd fellows and there's an odd fellows building and a moose building and an elks building and the masons building and it, it they all have those and those organizations are all still around in some way uh, mm -hmm. they don't seem to have the same uh influence and, and attraction no i mean fraternal organizations we've talked about that they've definitely died off but there's no reason why people shouldn't go go re-energize one of them. They already exist. They already have buildings. They already have members. They have a structure. And so re-energizing re uh, re something like that probably be a better goal than starting your own thing. And coming from the gun world, I, I go to gun ranges all over the country and all these gun, all the nice gun ranges were built in the 40s and 50s. Um, and uh, same thing. It was, that was that group of guys kind of fraternal organizations. They had their gun club. And they built a gorgeous gun club because that was their their thing, and you just don't see it happening anymore. Uh, you don't see fraternal organizations or clubs building almost anything. They can barely even upkeep what they're doing anymore. Now everything's just for profit, right? It's like if anything gets built, it's a for-profit organization that builds it, and it's kind of sad. But that's that's a failing on all of our part for not organizing ourselves and allowing ourselves. Um, well, we've talked about it like this this uh toxic individualism <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> right where we've been just taught to be such individuals that we don't join anything and then all these organizations die and then we're left fractured you know yeah and uh, alone so uh it didn't used to be that way it was only 40 50 years ago that every man would be part of some organization right well it seems isn't that, to a certain extent uh because a lot of those organizations were crashed 
you know, like mm -hmm. they, they, they were crashed. Women decided they want to be part of it. And then it became not a, not a fun boys club anymore. Cause it's not the boys club. Now it's just like, it now it's just going to a party, you know, sure. it's, not, it's not the same uh, kind of thing because they, they men want to have that separate space yep. and that separate time. So they can go to the boys club. We're going to go play poker and talk about whatever and, right. and have our own space. And that's really why they built those, you know, clubs. You know? That's probably true. Yes. That, yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. I forgot uh, that we've had that discussion before. Um, yeah. That no doubt. And so, yeah, they're not going to be as cool, but I still think you got to use them for what you can. It's one of those things, just like a relationship with a person, you see the strengths and you go, okay, look, there's weaknesses. Right. Uh, and, but I just going to have to deal with that and I'm going to have to get out, get, get from it what I can. You're right. It's not as cool. Um, <clears throat> and it's a shame because the, the real estate they have is fantastic. Oh, I know. I mean, there, there's a, there's an Elks club and my dad's actually a member of the Elks clubs. And I think he just joined it to, to have somewhere to go play darts or something, you know, like to, mm -hmm. for exactly that reason, just to have some place to go out and meet people and whatever. Yep. Uh, but when he came to hood river, uh, he, he was a member of the Elks club. He's like, Oh, I'm a member of that. I can, we, I can go in. And so he took us all into the Elks club. Awesome. Man, <laughs> do they have a, the upstairs room where the bar is and everything overlooks mm -hmm. the columbia it's like mm -hmm. it's it's if you would buy that building now i have no idea what it would be even worth but they have this yep. fantastic giant building that you can do all kinds of things in and and uh you know i mean it, that that may be something maybe people need to look at some how to how to re-energize some of those clubs and so forth it, it seems like it i mean the the new place i'm thinking about moving they have a, a grange hall which is that's a that's a farmer's club. It used to be a farmer's club. It's not so much anymore, but it still kind of is. And that Grange Hall is right beside the Elks Club. Both of them overlook Puget Sound. They're both up on a hill with the view spots with right. decks, you know, and all that stuff. Because guys back in the day, back in the 50s, when they built those places, they picked decent places to put them and they put some money into it. So, yeah, I... Yeah, I, I think that most of us should uh, rejoin. So the only reason I haven't done it here is because I want to, I'm planning on moving and I want to move to a smaller community. And when I go there, I'll probably join all those organizations just because. <clears throat> Which ones are left that are men's? Like, is the Masons still all men? Yeah. <laughs> I think the Masons is still like the secret male society. It is. The, the Masons yeah. is the only one that's left as far as I know. Um, and then, then that comes with some extra stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta yeah, have like, a pant uh, leg. You gotta do your pant leg up and your napkin yeah, they, or something. Well, and all there's that. kind of a belief system <laughs> involved with the, the, and that's that's I think one of the things that maybe made that uh, it's a barrier for of entry. Mm -hmm. for yeah, probably. There's a, there's there's definitely a, a kind of you know odd belief system that goes with it. You know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they actually believe and what they pretend to believe, just so they can have oh. a secret club. <laughs> probably so probably so i i know there's a lot of memorization like i knew a guy not too long ago who was in it but, but my, mm -hmm. my grandfather was actually i guess he was a shriner and okay. i think i think one of my uh his his i think brother-in-law was really high up in that and that was a really good thing for them i mean they, they had these giant pancake dinners and these giant places in harrisburg pennsylvania and, and mm -hmm. it was uh it was pretty impressive but uh, you know, I mean, it, it, there is there are some like rituals and stuff that going on which people. You know, that's <laughs> rituals. Uh oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's just are they the right ones? You know, that's the tricky <laughs> thing. You know, is it is that the ritual I want to do? 
yeah. you know, because that, that stuff has to mean something, I think, for mm-hmm. to, to be uh, powerful. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the things. But yeah, like, the gun club actually is a good, a good example, too. That's, I think, yeah, I think because um, it's a yeah, it's a shared interest thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that, I think people could do the same thing. Like you talked about, you, you know, you talked about starting guys starting weightlifting gyms, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, same thing with martial arts gyms. Like starting starting some kind of nonprofit jujitsu gym, or starting a combination boxing jujitsu weightlifting gym, or mm-hmm. you know, something like that. That'd be pretty cool stuff, right? Where where uh, nobody's really making any money off it, right? So there's a club fee. And uh, I, that's another thing I think that we're really missing out at is uh, kind of that I hate to, you know, go too hippie on you, but uh, <laughs> but the, the idea that we should all be giving some. Greg is a, a hippie pig farmer. That's yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but we should be giving something back to our communities. And so when you start, you know, when you're, whatever kind of club you're going to start, what are you doing for anybody else? Is it just for you or are you, you know? And so like, if I, if I was starting a gym, would I, would I want my gym members to help the local high school and junior high football team and the off season lift, you know, stuff like that, like volunteer to help to do something to help other people, uh, I think is somewhat important because like you said, after this plague is done, uh, most of us are going to, most people are, I hope are going to realize they need more community. And one of the ways, like you talked about the pancake breakfast and stuff, one of the ways, all those organizations all have some sort of charitable portion, right? Where they're not just, it's not just about them getting together and smoking cigars and drinking beer, right? They're actually, they go and do something good uh, for their local community. And so I'm not sure. It's a trade-off too. Like they, I think it, it, like, uh, because motorcycle clubs do that as Mm -hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a public relations thing is like like well we're not just we're, we're not scary motorcycle guys look we give toys for tots you know right <laughs> like, yeah yeah it, some of it might just be a pr campaign you're right but but that's good but, i mean again like you said with the manipulation uh the end result is positive yeah, yeah. you know they're yeah, they're they're nice. getting what they want and kids are getting toys so sure that's true who loses you know <laughs> I just like to see us figure out, uh, you know, one of the reasons I became a farmer actually is um, this probably a little weird, but I I wanted to help people rebuild family and community. And, um, and I realized that we just don't sit around the dinner table with food that matters anymore. Like there's no story to any of the food. Nobody, it just, you know, it came in a plastic wrapped container. It came in a can and we eat this stuff and uh, half the time everybody's on their phone or something while they're eating it. And I thought, you know, if we could have special cool food and cool recipes and actually put some effort into our food, then maybe we have something to talk about. And, uh, and then when you have people over and you have a nice dinner, you have something to talk about. And we, we definitely need to rebuild from the ground up. And so it's not just the way of men and the gang. You know, our families are not doing any better than the gang of men is doing. Right? Okay. And, our commu- and our communities are doing no better than our families are doing. Right. And so, um, of course, starting at the beginning, which is fixing yourself as a man. And of course, the only way you can fix yourself as a man is to be with other men. Right. Yeah. Um, but then as as on, you know, but, but it's not, a, it's not something that we can just, well, maybe some people can, if they don't have a family, they don't have a girlfriend, et cetera, they can just work on themselves for a while. But most guys are going to be doing all of this on the fly where you're working on yourself. 
You're oh, yeah. working on your family, you're working on your community all at the same time. And so right. you are an unfinished product. You know, you'll never be finished. Sure. And so uh, I'm, I'm just free forming right here with this thought, but you got to work on yourself, work on your family, work on your community all at the same time. So uh, that's what, that's what I think. You, you, you talked about it. It's like, just recently you said, you know, people need people. Yeah. yeah. Well, right? I mean, it sounds like what you're doing is improving your position. Yes. You <laughs> I mean, that, that's what that really is. I think actually that's going to be the title of this podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> improve your position. Yeah. 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 That's actually pretty good. Sure. Uh, Cause that's, that's what you're doing constantly because you're never going to be um, like you said, you're unfinished regardless. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and you know, that, that's a conversation I think I'm going to have uh, with a, a guy I know in, in England who has been on the show already, Richard Granin. But uh, because there, there are people who are going to have families and there's going to be a ton of people who don't. Mm-hmm. And as they age, what do they do? Mm-hmm. Like, how do they find meaning in life and how do they, how do they fit into this picture? Because just the right. way from whatever good or bad or society is right now, right. There's going to be a lot of people who don't have that in some way, you know, they're, they're not going to have the same structure because you know, there was a time when that's just what everyone did. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, hasn't been the case for right. a few generations. So there's going to be a lot of people floating around for the next, you know, hundred years, really, you know, the generation, I mean, think of, you know, the millennials right now, like mm-hmm. how many of them are going to have, they're not going to grow up and have families with six or seven kids. Right. Well, not all of them. I mean, some of them will, but uh, you know, that's not always going to be a thing. So I, I think finding a way to integrate those people into the community as well is also kind of challenging. Well, I think, so that's a, that's something I've thought about a bit is that, um, you know, almost nobody is interested in leaving a legacy anymore. Right. So we, you know, families, what do you, you know, what do people don't even have an inheritance for their kids anymore? They've, they're planning on, uh, I call it leaving at zero, right. They're doing the bank account math. So they die at zero, you know, they, they build up all these assets and then they spend the last portion of their life burning all those assets off. Right. And then they exit at zero. And that's not how we got here. That's not how we got electricity and plumbing and roofs over our heads. We, you know, we improved our position generationally, right? Like we just said earlier in the podcast is, you know, every generation stacked upon, stacked upon, stacked upon what the last ones did. And man, we've really, I feel we've really lost that. And so, uh, and the single people are doing it worse. And if you look at the communities of single people, they're definitely leaving at zero, right? They, they don't plan on having any legacy left over. They don't plan on having a cent to their name when they die. In fact, probably just debt that gets written off somehow. Um, and, and I don't know that you can have a satisfying life. You can have a party life, but yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, and even that, I mean, unless you're Dan Blazarian or whatever, like, uh, <laughs> <and> the, <laughs> right. You know I mean? That the party really, the, I don't see that going into like your sixties and so forth. Well, you know, I see a lot of people try to do it. <laughs> it yeah. I mean, I'm pretty. hopeful, but <laughs> it, doesn't look, it doesn't usually look very attractive. Anymore, uh, but they're still trying to do it. And right. I don't know. I think that, uh, you know, I would obviously most of us wish we could go back in time and change a lot of things, but, uh, um, but if I, since I can't go back in time, all I can do is start right now, which is building something that matters that's still here afterwards. And, uh, 
that could be your family, that could be your children, but really just making children isn't much of a legacy. They could go either way. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and lots of people make bad kids. So, yeah. you know, you know, making children, raising children, but then also, uh, and this goes into your part about what about people that aren't going to have children, but what piece of land do you leave behind? You know, what, what books did you write? What art did you make? What does anybody care about? Like, how are you going to live forever? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, how are you, how are you going to live forever? And uh, I think that almost the, the, the people that are doing it the best right now are doing it pretty poorly, which is, well, I have kids. Well, uh, to me, that's not good enough. Just, just passing on your genes isn't good enough. Uh, I think you need to pass in your genes and then position them on your improved position so they can move forward from there and improve their position and we can all move forward. Right. Well, right. I mean, well, that's, that's, that's how you got aristocracies. Really. I mean, it's, it's basically like it, it, people who were good at improving the position generationally, mm -hmm. you know, and then, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you have kids who've like never worked like for, <laughs> you know, or done anything. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, but then they were, you know, you, you also look at those people like the people who I know who were raised with more money. They mm -hmm. are, their communication skills are a little bit better and they were, they, they were generally, um, you know, have a better education generally. And, and so mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're kind of poised to rule, even though they, they've never done anything. You know? and yeah. Like, and obviously they're, they're, they're know, built to succeed, I guess. In, yeah. Well, you know, if I was the dungeon master, <laughs> uh, those people would still exist. It's just their yeah. parents would have been smart enough to put them through hardship right. in addition to all the things that they got so that when they, got to the age to rule they were truly ready to rule correctly right so yeah, well, that's, that's just a failing that's a little bit of a failing of the last 50 or 100 years it, i don't think it's a failing overall of that system no, no. Uh, it's a very recent failing to to create those people that aren't capable but also you know you have to have some redundant children so you can lose some <laughs> so <laughs> you, know, you, you have to have enough to rule Right. Right. Know? Right. 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 <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've, I mean, it's interesting to think about people uh, who are never interested in legacy because that's really all I care about to be that mm -hmm. it's my, like when this situation started to go South, I paid my website a year in advance so that <laughs> I don't disappear from the earth. You know? okay. right. That's how my brain worked about the whole uh -huh. thing. Like, uh, like, sure. should I send out chapters of my book, if, if, the next book, if, you know, like, so that stays around, stuff like that. I mean, it, it's, mm -hmm. weird, you know, to, to think about someone who didn't care about that. But then, uh, you know, the, the opposite side of that is, you know, if you have kids and so forth, too, that's, a, that's one thing, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, you know, how much are you working for people who you'll never meet because you're dead? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're trying mm -hmm. to impress people who are dead you know who, who aren't living yet you know in mm -hmm. a weird way it's it's, it's it's a funny mind game to a certain extent yeah I, to me it you know going back I, I guess we'll keep we'll probably be using improve your position now for years between us but uh yeah yeah but i mean that's that's what we were i mean kind of what we were put on earth to do as human beings that's you know one of the things that separates from the animals is that we have this we have this generational inheritance, right? And uh, genetically and socially, right? We built culture and uh, the commons, 
you know, which is, uh, you know, the word I love to use is just the commons, everything. And that could be cultural commons that we've oh, built yeah. up a culture, but it also is just the physical commons that exists that, that, um, that our current generation, my generation even has not done that great a job of improving. Um, you know, most of the, you know, look at when were all the hydroelectric dams that, you know, these great things built, right. When the whole power grid, the freeway system, like who did that? Well, kind of our parents and our grandparents did it. You know, yeah. we didn't, we didn't do a lot of it. And uh, uh, we have a much more selfish generations now that uh, I think we need to, we need to get back to that, that back to that doing something bigger than yourself. Um, so I definitely wasn't raised that way. I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer and I was raised as an individual and all that stuff. And I'm questioning all of that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I should say I'm done questioning it. I already know that it's the wrong answer right. that, you know, you need to be a strong individual, but as you know, you talk about even, I think in the way of men is, you know, that I love this word is interdependence, right? Mm -hmm. It's, um, you know, you want to be a, a totally awesome individual inside of a crew right. of other people. Right. And if, if you're not inside of a crew of other people, then what's the point really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, <clears throat> That's one thing I've actually seen also with uh, kind of movements, I, I mm -hmm. guess I'd say, uh, whether, it, you know, whether it's, you know, pagans or, or the manosphere, or mm -hmm. I would say, you know, watching all these people, I, I, as I get older, I'm better at it, I think, like watching all these people like, oh, well, he has this to contribute, and he has this to contribute, he's doing mm -hmm. this thing, and this is all good, we can all do this together, I think there's a there's a different personality or tendency uh, that wants to own everything. Mm -hmm. This is just my thing. Right. All, all the great art movements and everything that's happened in history has been like a whole bunch of people kind of going in the same direction at the same time. Mm -hmm. And they're all kind of doing their own thing and they are being individuals, but they're like, this is generally, we're all feeling the same thing. It's like, it's like, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's like, we're all, yeah, I mean, art movements is what always comes to mind because you know, they only last for like a little, a short period of time but it's a whole bunch of people basically riffing off the same theme. Sure. And there's a synergy and yeah. a, a synergy that allows them all to accomplish more than they would have accomplished. So um, for me, I think I, I use a, uh, even though I'm an army guy, not a Navy guy, I use ship crew analogies a lot. And uh, you know, you got to find your place in the crew and you don't want to, even if you're the captain of the ship, uh, that doesn't mean you don't want awesome crew members. Right. I think a lot of people, I don't know what it is about, maybe it's some of the manosphere, definitely. It seems like they all want to be ship captains, but they don't want a good crew. <laughs> they want followers that aren't really thinkers in some ways. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a tricky thing because it's a, you know, like, I think that's where the money is. And I've always been really, that's always, I've been really probably poor in handling it because I could be making more money. But mm -hmm. then, you know, there's a lot of like pushing products and so forth, which, you know, isn't bad and it's not wrong and they help people and, and so forth. But, uh, um, you know, then you, you definitely do get like a follower situation. And, and, uh, and that was one of the things like I, I could probably find a bunch of dumb guys who mm -hmm. like what I say to like, I could start my own thing, whatever your organization, mm -hmm. whatever. And, uh, but, uh, I'd rather be surrounded by, you know, like dudes like yourself or people who actually have, something to offer mm -hmm. you know, people who are accomplished on their own. Cause then that makes right. me 
rather than like, if I'm just the grand poobah sitting back for and saying, dictating, right. then, then it's, uh, I, I don't get anything out of it. Yeah, sure. except, for, except for money. But, uh, which well, is good. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think you get more out of something if you have a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of guys that are uh, uh, accomplished in, in, different, in different ways. Sure, absolutely. Uh, that's been one of my whole goals in life. It's why I spent time in special operations. It's even why I have my business uh, is like my instructors uh, are guys that I want to be around, right? The other guys that work for me are guys that I would choose to be around even if I wasn't working, right? But now I have the opportunity to, you know, to compensate them and us to do cool things together. Uh, and I get to be around people that I really want to be around that, that, I, that I like, that have cool things to say, that are good at things, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and I definitely, you know, I fall into, I, I obviously, I love to be captain of my own ship. There's no doubt about that. But when I come to port, I want to sit around the table with captains of their own ships, right? That's who captains hang out with, right? Is other captains, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's how you get to learn and you get to, you know, you get to say, hey, I had this situation, you know, and everybody goes, oh, you know, that this is what I did. You get to learn from other competent people. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and people who've, who've been there before and done that and mm -hmm. been through the same things. I mean, I remember one of my favorite things that you've ever said to me is uh, like, well, where you screwed up with mentoring is you mentor three people because one of them is going to, you know, two of them are going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you got to build that pace I'm like, I'm like, well, now you tell me. You yeah. know, but, we call it the pace plan. So primary, alternate, contingency, emergency. So the pace plan. You always got to, you know, that I think this, it, uh, I think this, I read once the space shuttle, this is way back in the day. I'm sure it's probably different now, but you know, they have four computers on it and they only need one of them to work. Right. So they have double redundancy, right? So, uh, you know, we all need to do that. But also that brings up something you just said there is another thing that I think that we're really lacking at. And that's another reason why I think we need to join these pre-existing organizations is uh, we're really bad at mentorship in the modern world. Mm -hmm. uh, both being mentors to people and being mentored. And most of us probably, you know, even, even at, in my fifties, I probably still should have mentors that are 10 or 20 years older than me that have already walked some of the paths. And, and we're bad at that, you know, we're, you know, business mentors and you're like, well, why would, you know, once again, coming from the background I came from, it's like, yeah, but why do I want to listen to that overweight guy that's old? Yeah. Right. Well, well it's hard to find because it's a time commitment. What a lot of people are doing actually, I mean, is, is coaching mm -hmm. uh, and it becomes a business, but that's fine. You know, like it isn't the way it used to be, but you know, I think that works more when you're in the, the same community and to a certain extent, and there's like an older guy who's been in this community and he has something to gain just because you're in the community too. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think, you know, with it just being like an exchange of time, uh, you know, it becomes a, a little bit of a different situation. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I need somebody to, we both talked about this. I mean, I, I, I need someone to be like, Hey, how could I take this to the next level? I need someone who mm -hmm. knows that because I don't, you know, like, right. what's the next step? Like, where, mm -hmm. where, where do I go from here? Um, and that's what a lot of people are, you know, paying, I think, coaches for, especially like business yeah. and stuff. You know, like that's, it's, yeah, it's, I think a lot of it, you know, a lot of that would be out there in your local community. Once again, you know, the Masons and the Elks and the this and that, you know, you, that's how that, you know, if you're already a member of those organizations for the last 10 or 15 years, then you would already, you'd already know the guy to ask the question. 
right? right. And um, so I think we're all just a little bit behind right now uh, yeah. because we've destroyed our fraternal organizations because that's where you were supposed to go to get that knowledge. Now, of course, we can use the internet. You can find people. Um, I don't know. Obviously, the relationship won't be the same because now it's a financial relationship, but right. doesn't mean it won't be good. Um, oh, yeah. I know guys that have business coaches. I should probably have a business coach. Um, and, you know, they do really well because they have business coaches. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of people have been really happy with what they got out of that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but anyway, I think that I think it's probably been an hour. Uh, oh, okay. So I, I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah prob- probably. <laughs> we had a lot of stops and starts getting going. But uh, yeah. anyway, is there any... Uh, I mean, obviously, you can't teach uh, gun classes right now because, you know, it's not... yeah. I'm going to try to. Uh, you are? Well, I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to do some classes and. Uh, okay. I actually used Zoom to teach some lectures. I was quarantined uh, for a couple weeks, and I had a class going on. So my coaches were willing to do the physical parts, and I actually did all the gun stuff on the big screen, and it worked pretty actually well. I think because of the fact I could put a gun right up in front of the screen and show stuff in really close detail, it didn't work that bad. So I'm, I'm experimenting with that. So uh, definitely gonna do some lecture type stuff, mm-hmm. some gear stuff. It's really easy to like, okay, here's, you know, here's how to select a handgun or here's how to set up your AR-15 or here's how to put your body armor together. Um, we're probably gonna do some of that stuff. I'm, I'm gonna be experimenting with that hopefully this week, making sure that I can do it decently and then I'll put some classes out there. Yeah. Awesome. So that's, that's what I'm doing right now. It's trying to figure out how to use technology. I'm an old guy. I got to figure out how to make my cameras work. And, you got to learn your you new know, tricks, dude. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> All right, man. So they, they can, and people can find you obviously at the insights training. Insights training.com. Yep, yep. absolutely. And, uh, just started a YouTube channel. We had an old channel, but didn't really have anything on it and started a new channel, just insights training center. And, um, yeah keep track of us and find us. We should be putting out a lot of electronic content here real soon. Awesome, man. All right, well, it was good to, good to talk to you face-to-face. We text all the time, but... Uh, yep. So, uh, anyway, thanks for coming on. Uh, Start the World. Yep, thank you.